with your salespeople yeah. and did you talk to anybody in sales? Well, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 83 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is a marketing and the F is a well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, and this weekly podcast says as my excuse to chat with marketing friends old and new that I've met through my career as a marketing leader, consultant, and trusted advisor, and share with you some marketing street knowledge they've picked up along the way that could bring out the Rockstar CMO in you. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode is recorded on Friday the 8th of October. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week, Jeff and I return to the topic of marketing technology as we consider how to make the business case for that shiny new tool that you crave. A friend of the show, Dennis Shaw, returns for a chat about what he learned from Content Marketing World last week. And I continue the content marketing conversation with Robert Rose in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. Right, let's get started, shall we? So you have your eye on a sexy new piece of marketing technology that your peers are all talking about. Let's find out from my chum, Jeff Clark, Rockstar CMO advisor and former research director at Serious Decisions Forrester, how to make the business case so you can get your hands on. Welcome back, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I am doing well, and it's great to be back. Yes, splendid. It's every week now. The, the planet yeah, must be in a shambles. Must not be much going on in my life because <laughs> I have time to get on the podcast. Just will, kidding. Sorry. I'll t- I'll t- I'll take that as uh, yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, last week uh, we were talking about uh, con- um, uh, company social responsibility, yeah, yeah, and social yeah. responsibility and that kind of stuff. And then this week, I think we're going to go back to the land of Martech, the place we left the week before. Yes. Uh, and w- I think the week before we were talking about our tendency, and I also I was talking about this last week from um, the event I did in Amsterdam um, in my little monologue when I was left alone in the studio because I had no Robert. Um, and I was banging on about uh, marketing technology. And I was talking about the fact that we were always attracted to these shiny baubles and that we need to justify buying these things. So we need to build a business case, right? So what yeah. say you, Jeff? I, uh, I tell you, you know, you, anytime you're buying baubles, you, <laughs> you always have to be able to, or you should justify it unless you're just out for a lark and then in which case, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But in the, in the world of uh, marketing technology, you know, if you're in a mm-hmm. business, you really should be thinking about building a, a business case for, for, you know, your major investments. And, yeah. and so, I mean, there's a number of things that I think, um, uh, marketers need to be thinking about. I mean, whether you're sort of in an operations role and you're helping kind of manage the this evaluation process, or you're the one who's got the shiny toy that you're like, oh boy, you know, yeah, yeah. this could really help us. Then, yeah, um, there's you know, there's there's a number of things to be thinking about uh, in terms of building the business case. First thing to think about is like, well, who 
are you building the business case for? So, mm -hmm. um, and this would have to do with whatever your internal processes are in the organization and maybe what that shiny bottle happens to be. But it's like, am I just, do I just need to convince the CMO? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of more of a budgetary decision. Um, if, if I, do I need to convince, you know, the set of marketing and sales leadership, because maybe they're, maybe the operations team has kind of like a little steering committee, you know, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's a big committee or informal, does, does it have a steering committee? So I've been in organizations where, you know, anything that was of a certain nature had to go up to it. Mm -hmm. So you're outside the marketing world. Now you're, you're, you're yeah. in. You know, you're in the you're in the ring with uh, <laughs> yeah. um, with people that are going to needle you on everything. Um, yeah. Or, you know, is this part of a you know big corporate initiative? So there's some set of C people who, you know, you guys are out to improve customer satisfaction or experience, or you're mm. you know you're you're making some acquisitions. There's a lot of investments yeah. required, so therefore. This has to be, you know, put in that context. So, um, so is those, this, is, so yeah. Is it, so is this about not only who is it for, but also who can I co-op into this as, as being a stakeholder and a champion in the thing that I want? Well, yes, and and mm -hmm. and and you always have to be thinking about who your stakeholders are because yeah. you you never want to get into the position of if you're in front of the head of sales as a marketing <laughs> guy and you're you're going to make this investment, yeah, you know, which is going to generate leads and engagement for your salespeople. Yeah. And did you talk to anybody in sales? Well, no, no. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that. You know, oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah so yeah. anyway, go back to the drawing board. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that, that, um, you know, the stakeholder, the process owner, the mm -hmm. whoever you want to, you know, identify as being, and there may be, there's certainly could be multiple, um, mm -hmm. you know, particularly if something's part of a big initiative, you know, you maybe have people across the organization that you need to be checking in with and, and getting their, their input. The other thing to think about is is what investments are are going to require a business case, and this may be right. more for if you're in the operations or the marketing tech role. And so you're yeah. you're you're playing a role in helping people make a business case, mm -hmm. and and you might say, you know, there's things that's like we really shouldn't worry about this if you know if it doesn't tick a number of boxes. So like if it's a yeah. minor expense, you know, it's a few thousand dollars you know, we, we may not require a business case. We may want to mm -hmm. just give people a checklist, you know, make sure you've checked references or you've yeah. done your due diligence The you know, purchasing can, you know, there are approved vendors, blah, blah, blah. Um, if it does, so, and also if it doesn't touch corporate data, so, you know, things that don't, you know, uh, you know, manipulate data around contacts, accounts, transactions, mm -hmm. Um, you know, might not be something that you want to, you know, put under the mm. inspection of having a business case. And also but if it the, doesn't, well, also I was just going to, the one thing I think it yeah. is if it doesn't, if it doesn't, if it doesn't muck with any of the kind of key processes in the organization. So, you know, demand yeah. management, customer support, product development. Mm -hmm. I and mean, if you're not touching those things, um, you know, again, it, it might be something that you'd say, well, we're not really going to worry about, about what the business case, but it, it would kind of be like, you have to be looking through all through those things. It's yeah. like expense level, data impacts, process yeah. impacts, 
Yeah. Um, you know, hiring impacts might be another thing. Like, you know, yeah. we could buy a tool, but if we need to, if we need to hire people to yeah. use or yeah. manage it, then that, that's yeah. another consideration. I just, I just had the conversation just actually today where um, an organization had a tool and the person who was skilled and used that tool left. So then the tool didn't get used. It was really useful. It looked at lead flow. And then they decided to cancel the tool. And then today they're like, oh, we haven't got any data on lead flow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what the hell happened there? And yeah. but, but from that perspective as well is the, the investments required. Now, normally, I mean, I like this idea of this multi-tiered threshold of whether we should be actually looking at this and who should be looking at this. And it's not just about budget. If it's over a certain amount of money, then it goes, it gets gets a bit more um introspection uh, sorry inspection yep, inspection B because i think that's where we've gone wrong in marketing isn't it because many of the tools that we can just stick on our credit card and are relatively inexpensive and they slide under the radar from a right. cost perspective but yep. from a impact perspective and what they cost us in terms of time to look after them and integration the content in and creating silos and all that crap isn't that's the problem, isn't it? That, that if you're going to evaluate whether somebody's got sign-off on a, on a marketing tool, it can't be just about money, can it? Correct. Right. Because I think that as you know, as you've correctly pointed out, it's like you know there there's there's all sorts of aspects to whether a tool is going to provide value to the organization. Yeah. As well as there's just the budgetary aspect, right? So, you know, if the CMO wants to have a you know good handle on his budget and is asking marketing operations to help manage a technology budget, there's also the, you know, there's a lot of tools that could slip under the radar, but if they if they end up adding, yeah, adding up to our you know some you know uh, some area of the budget, there it's like whoa, what <laughs> what yeah, happened yeah. there? You know, then we've got to we've got to you know yeah. be on top of that as well. But I think the so you know you got to make sure you know does it tick these boxes of whether it's something we should worry about. You got to be thinking about the overall um, you know budget yeah. impact and um, uh, well these things yeah. also these things they come. I mean, it's that old free puppies versus free beer thing, isn't it? Is that you know. <laughs> Uh, you know getting a free puppy is much different to getting free bit i mean it's just you know you've got that thing you now got to feed it and grow it and nurture it and look after it uh, rather than just enjoy it pay <laughs> 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 okay, the consequences the next day um no, how much free beer there is but yeah you're right yeah. there is there, I, there, there are consequences to free beer as well. Yes, you're right. But I think one of the things is that you don't want to be, I mean, if you're trying to set up some discipline around um, having yeah. a business case, you don't want to, every time somebody in the digital team wants to buy a, a website testing tool or yeah. a Google Analytics account or, yeah. you know, you don't want to necessarily make that stuff, you know, go through a yeah. painful exercise. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and not that you want to make every exercise painful, but it's like, you, yeah. you know, there's, you, you want to make it realistic. So, so actually, so people yeah. don't push back on this as, as you know, this is all just about a power play and you're making yeah. life tough and bureaucratic for us. Yeah. But that's, that's interesting. That's about communication, isn't it? And about yes. making it very clear what your criteria are. And it isn't just about cost because I've, I've seen that situation before where somebody's to like look at you with those, 
those big sort of moon eyes going, I want the thing. And you're like, <laughs> you can't have the thing. It's, but it's only 300 bucks a month. You're like, well, yeah. it's going to break everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's a content management system. But yeah, yeah so um, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good point. So you set this criteria up that you were saying the investments are required and stuff. And yeah. then um, and, and make that very clear that that's part of your process and not make it too onerous. Yeah, and then and then you've got to then you got to define how you're going to do this analysis. So you know, mm -hmm. is this a simple pro con? Is it a quantifiable cost benefit analysis? Yeah. And and when you get into the more uh, quantifiable processes, then mm -hmm. you know we then we can start thinking about kind of what level of of um, of specificity or accuracy we're trying to get to but yes you know if you're comparing investments so you know this might be part of a budgetary process or you're part of an initiative mm -hmm. where you've got multiple things that you're evaluating you know you want to be able to you know have that kind of two-dimensional chart where you got costs and effort on one mm -hmm. side and you've got benefits or impacts on on the other axis and everything in the upper right land corner is going to be a quick win because it's a low yeah. cost and a high benefit and things yeah. in the upper left corner, high cost, high benefit, you know, those could be yeah. or should be positioned as strategic investments. Yeah. And then if it's kind of lower on the, on the cost side mm -hmm. and medium benefit, then you'd say there might be some tactical investments that we need to make. Yeah. And somewhere in that chart will be kind of a break even point where you'd say, Things right. that fall below that line, mm -hmm. we just can't, you know, we can't, right. we can't justify but, spending the money on. But things above that line, you mm -hmm. know, will need to be mm -hmm. considered. And actually, you may need to go, you know, depending, again, on how specific you do the, the analysis, it might be yeah. that, okay, we've initially decided that this thing makes the cut, but we need to do yeah. a more, uh, you know, a, another level of inspection before we can actually get the sea level guy to sign yeah. off on it. That's what, that was actually going to be my follow on question from what you just said there, because I think, it, I think especially today with, with many of the sort of SaaS solutions that are very attractive to marketers about implementing it, it's, is often they're a bit like an iceberg, aren't they? You can see the, the level of effort on top, but actually there's a huge, how, how do you, and and I also I've worked with execution marketers who can, can who just can't see that they can't yeah. see that you know yes this silo tool has a great dashboard yes this silo tool it's easy for you to add content to it but what happens down the road when we want to reuse that content on this platform on this website what happens when we want that data to be on a dashboard that's all up for the executives then yeah. it gets hard and then how, yeah. how 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 do you approach that sort of qualification which really strips out i suppose strips back the shiny of the shiny thing that they want <laughs> and really sort of drives into well what is this thing and how how what is the genuine impact on the business yeah. in terms so, of that so for, first thing is before you get to the um to the expense and the benefits mm -hmm. you, you've you've got to be able to do your due diligence on what the functional capabilities and application of the of the investment are um mm -hmm. And and this actually would be a good thing for us to do a, another drill down into the yeah. you know doing the requirements the capability yeah. analysis and yeah. requirements but you know you've got you know no matter what it is you've got to make sure you've covered the IT governance issues you know privacy yeah. data use yep touching internal systems you know et cetera you know that's yeah. that's one thing you've got to identify what the use cases are for 
mm-hmm. for the application. Um, yeah. and, and then, then that's where you find out who the stakeholders are and have you interviewed the stakeholders and you, and you've, you've done your, um, your evaluation. So you make sure that they're on board with what, mm-hmm. uh, what you're proposing or, or if you're helping, you know, the, mm-hmm. the champion of this, you're, you're helping them make sure they're doing that. Yeah. You know, and have you done a process? So again, if it's going to touch any kind of key processes, have you done a, a process overview where even if at the simplest level, you'd say, this is how we used to, uh, you know, uh, yeah. manage a demand process. This is going to make a change here. And yeah. and we're just making sure we're not, we're not messing up opportunities or, mm-hmm. or um, anything that's particularly important for a lot of the stakeholders. And are these uh, like, I mean, they're almost like mini business cases in themselves, aren't they? In, in that you're saying, as you're trying to sort of build consensus for needing this tool, that you're actually going to go to colleagues and other parts of the business that may not be the budget holders, but you're going to say to them, I'm going to propose this. These are going to be the benefits for you. You know, come join <laughs> Come yeah, join yeah. me in this or, quest. Or at least I understand these are the benefits to yeah. you. What do you yeah. say about that? And what are yeah. the the negatives? And 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 you know, one of the things that if if there's a particular initiative behind this, you know, again, like yeah. you know, improving customer satisfaction or experience or you know, improving yeah. the you know, shortening the the uh, sales cycles or you know, whatever it yeah. happens to be, um, then you should be asking, you know, how's the process work for you today? How's it how if, yeah. if you need if you were thinking about solving this, what would you do? Here's a potential yeah. solution. How do you react to the solution? Yeah. So that you're you're not just engaging them on that specific yeah. piece of technology, yeah. but you're engaging them on how it works yeah. more holistically. Because the other thing you need to account for is is change management. Anytime yeah. you implement technology, you're changing the way people do work. Even if yeah. even if everything within the tool is automated. Um, you're, it has downstream impacts and, you know, again, not that you want to, um, over engineer it, but you do need to make sure you've accounted for it because, Mm. you know, again, you know, somebody's going to, I've just been in so many meetings where it's like somebody raises the question. You're like, Oh geez, I didn't didn't think about that one. (laughs) And then that kills the whole, that kills the whole proposal before you even get into what the costs and the benefits are. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so when when we're talking to these, the, the the thing that I was thinking about then when you were talking is that is that dispassionateness and to stand back from the solution that you really want and then consider other solutions that other people might do because often this process and and you know I've I've not really seen this level of due diligence really around this stuff often when it comes to people getting tools and often it is. They've seen the tool. They've seen the demo. Now they're trying to justify buying that rather than justify solving a problem. Yes. So I like this idea that you're saying be a bit dispassionate and go around the business and say, I'm trying to identify and solve this problem. And I think this is going to have this impact on you. What would be your approach to solving this problem? And therefore, you're going to need to take away your, uh, you know, the emotion that you have for this solution that you really want. Yep. Well, I mean, you, you think about a lot of the, um, you know, marketing dashboard performance analytics tools yeah. out there. It's like you see the yeah. dashboard and you go, that is what we yeah. want. We yeah. want to be able to measure, yeah. you know, our attribution and, and we yeah. want to see how we're impacting demand. And, and then, yeah. and then you know, and then a little bit later, unfortunately, typically after somebody's actually bought and tried to implement the thing, you go, <laughs> oh, oh, so we don't have this data set. 
Yeah. So we can't display this on the dashboard. And oh, yeah. oh, we don't, you know, uh, yeah. the guy in sales doesn't really understand this. Oh, so yeah. we should have shown them the dashboard and see if. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, yeah. yeah, there's just, there's lots of things that, that, um, yeah. yeah, you want to be able to step back, be dispassionate. And I think you made the right point. You're trying to solve a business problem. Yeah. And trying to find the right shiny object <laughs> to solve yeah. the business problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's excellent. So that that so so when we're building a business case, when you think about who we're building the business case for, and there's a series of these little internal business cases we need to do as we're building out, um, you know, a, 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 a group of people that will support us on this. What investments are required, and how we qualify, and who, and whether we need to do this level of introspection, depending on what impact it's going to have on the business, right? And then what depth of analysis we need to go through. And the other thing is to make sure you you know for doing a cost benefit analysis. Yeah. Have you thought of everything that's required on yeah. both sides of that ledger? So from an expense yeah. standpoint, it's like, you know, license or subscription fees. Okay, that's yeah. easy to get. Implementation costs, yeah. easy to get. Support costs, you know, got to remember yeah. it, but it's easy to get. Um the cost of you know hours of internal staff okay yeah. may need to figure out how to estimate that training yeah. you know are we bringing yeah. somebody outside in to train people yeah. is training continuous is it yeah. you know how are we going to ensure we get adoption so yeah. you know these things well, most of these things are easy to quantify but you got to make sure you you do yeah. them um to yeah. to really have the full Absolutely. comprehensive business but, case the harder thing though is typically on the benefit side because mm -hmm. you know you're buying it to impact you know revenue productivity save costs yeah. avoid risks and sometimes sometimes these things might be you know obvious like when you get into um you know privacy technology it might be right. okay, we need to do this to yes. comply with gdpr but can i actually measure yeah. the risk avoidance you know it's gonna yeah. it would cost us you know four percent of our revenue if we if we yeah. uh, did something wrong to a european set of european contacts well yeah okay uh, how do i logically figure mm -hmm. that in to the mm -hmm. business case so that people mm -hmm. understand um you know that that is a serious risk and and i've quantified it and that's part of the benefit of buying this particular piece of technology mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Not everything has an ROI value that's measured in in dollars. It's it's we, it's it's about measurement of risk and and those kinds yep. of things as well, right? Well, no, and ultimately, you may need to, you know. So sometimes, and actually, this is in uh, one of the interesting points is that um, sometimes it can't be measured in currency, um, yeah. and you but you have to figure a way okay. to al align it or, or quantify how this aligns with perhaps corporate initiatives. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, um, uh, you know, so you're, you're, I mean, maybe this is where you come up with a five point system or high, medium, low, where it's like, okay, yeah. this is an investment that is absolutely critical for us in our, um, in our, uh, you know, our privacy initiative. And so therefore we have to invest in it. You know, here's some other investments that are less critical yeah. for our privacy initiative. So yeah. I can't exactly figure out what the, the dollar benefit is, but at least I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've figured that into the equation. Mm -hmm. um, and that's actually one of the things when, when I was at, um, 
I used to work at Progress Software, so this was a long time yeah. ago. And so I'm, I'm not, there's nobody around it anymore who would, mm-hmm. <laughs> who would take umbrage at this, but, but the IT steering committee, um, they, so IT implemented a steering committee and, and, and it was actually one of those things that in the time when people, you know, companies were, had been spending so much money on IT, new ERP systems, et cetera. And it's okay. Yeah. And now we gotta, we gotta kind of put the brakes on and make sure that every additional investment counts, um, and has a business case. And yeah. I used to have to sit down with a, um, you know, with a liaison from IT and we'd go through everything about the application you know, as I, I was the kind of the marketing representative on the steering committee. And, yeah. and the, the liaison would we basically in an analyst role would quantify everything had a point system to it. So it's alignment with business objectives. It's um, certainly the use of IT resources to, uh, you know, develop or implement, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so, you know, they take a very quantify, you know, precise approach to this. A lot mm-hmm. of people I know in marketing who I had to help advocate were, you know, thought it was bureaucratic. But on the other hand, you know, it's like they're comparing. It was interesting because sometimes, you know, some application that would be required for us to do business in Brazil uh, whether it was because of pricing or licensing or something that would win over something that would make uh, it easy for us to uh, register event attendees. Right. Well, you know, for marketing, making it easy to register event attendees is pretty important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, for the business, making sure you're <laughs> you're doing business in a big country is probably more important. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and that's you know, again, if you're if you're trying to, this gets back to who we're trying to run the business case by, because if you're using corporate resources, you need to justify it at that corporate wide level, then, you know, you need to do your due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, We've gone a bit over time there, um, but um, I'm sure that you've been doing your research for the tune for this week. What have you come up with? For the tune I came up, because I think, you know, we want to be positive, right? So mm-hmm. it's about winning. It's about mm-hmm. winning with your business case, putting that yeah. winning case together. And so yeah. Santana, one of my favorite bands from way back nice. when, actually, yes. who's still around. Um, yes. But in the 80s, they had a song called Winning. So it's a nice Splendid. upbeat, positive tune to play out to. Splendid. And it beats out the more obvious choices like we are the champions by queen or anything like that so i'm glad we haven't taken that direction so so santana winning uh will play out from 1981 is it yes it is from 1981 so we'll play out with that thank you very much and will you be returning next week my friend yes i think we'll dig into this topic a little bit deeper. i think that yes we need to look at that i think you made a point about requirements gathering so i think we need to look at that all right mate i shall see you then have a good week Take care. Cheers. I was on the ground when I needed a hand, then it couldn't be found. I was so far down that I couldn't get up, you know, and one day I was one of life's losers, even my friend, my accusers, and in my head, I lost before I began. I had it beat, but it turned to dust, and what I thought was love, that must have been lost. I was living in style when the walls fell in, when I played my head, I looked like a joker, She was waiting outside the door
Thank you, Jeff. And that was Winning by Santana from 1981. I must admit, I like a bit of Santana, but I was not familiar with that one. Of course, I'll include all the links Jeff referred to in the show notes, including the tunes that he recommends. And if you have any thoughts on that discussion, the tune, or have any suggestions for what we should be discussing, get in touch. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. Right. On to our guest. Regular listeners or folks that are plugged into the content marketing community may already be familiar with friend of the show, Dennis Shaw. Dennis runs an independent B2B marketing consultancy, Retention Attention, and is a content marketing product messaging and social media marketing expert. He is well known in the industry as a regular columnist for CMS Wire and Content Marketing Institute. He runs the Bay Area Content Marketing Meetup and, as you'll hear, publishes the Content Corner newsletter. Dennis was at Content Marketing World in Ohio last week, the mecca for the content marketing community. And I wondered, what were his key takeaways for those of us that couldn't make it to Cleveland? Welcome back, Dennis. Shout to Rockstar CMO FM, a friend of the show. Thank you very much for returning. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, doing well, Ian. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. We were just talking about it's early in the morning for me. So <laughs> yes, I is. did have my coffee, but I'm still uh, getting uh, getting on top of things. No, I really appreciate <laughs> you joining, Dennis, especially as it's slightly short notice, because I know you were at Content Marketing World last week, and I really wanted to chat about um, about your perspective on that. And I saw on your blog that you, you would you, you'd come away from it with with quite a significant perspective. So, firstly, how was the travel? How was Content Marketing World? Did you enjoy the event? Yeah, it was a great great event. Uh, for those who are not familiar, it mm-hmm. was it was the eleventh year, which is which is an accomplishment in its own right, I think. And then the tenth last year was all virtual, of course, as with everything else. And so it was the tenth year in person, which is also quite impressive. It was only my second time in person at in Cleveland. Uh, but it was great. It was smaller attendance than past years, but that's all expected in the world we live in now. I was appreciative that the conference organizers, uh, Content Marketing Institute, they took the ne- necessary health and safety protocols. Uh, so you had to be either vaccinated or proof of negative test to get your uh, pass. But it was fantastic to see there were so many people, wonderful people in the content marketing world community that I got to catch up with. And then I met a whole bunch of new community members. So it was fantastic interacting with people in the flesh. Nice, nice. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, I chatted to Robert about it a couple of weeks ago, just before. So he wasn't on the show last week because he was at Content Marketing World, but I talked to him about it before. And that, that was the impression I got, that it was going to be a slightly smaller, a bit more space. But Everybody's super excited about being back, right? Was what was the yeah. what was the atmosphere like? Were you, was it exciting? It was. It was. Um, well, you know, every, everything these days is just different. It's just yes. different than before. Yes. So yeah, yeah. there was excitement. I think it was balanced by a little bit of like, uh, do I hug this person? Yeah, like, what yeah. what is the yeah. what is the uh, expectation? Do they want a hug? Do they yeah. want an elbow bump? Yeah. Yeah, so there's yeah. like excitement mixed with a little bit of. Um, yeah. I don't know, the awkwardness that we're all used to right now. Yeah, yeah. I but was it was at, definitely exci- exciting. Yeah, I was at an event last week too, and I was working with somebody who I'd only worked with um, virtually and met them in the, in real life the first time. And it was that thing of handshake <laughs> or elbow bump. From, you yeah. know, different people wanted different things. It was quite... It was yeah. quite, it was quite interesting, but yeah, we're we're kind of coming back, aren't we? But what was so you 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 were there for the whole time and you watched the keynote stuff. I understand that Robert did an awesome job. I'll ask him about it when I talk to him in the bar this week, I guess. But um, what was your takeaway from from the whole event? 
Oh, yes. Okay. Well, well, and by the way, Robert did this wonderful uh, keynote mm -hmm. about he told a story that related a point to content marketing today. Mm -hmm. And I was amazed at the, the story he told. I think it, it seemed like he told this entire story. It's almost like a, it's like a fictional tale, but it had a, wow. a themed a message to it. Right. Uh, and I think he, like, it was all from memory. I, was like, I asked Robert, like, how, how did you, uh, how'd yeah. you do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, that's it. And he, yeah. he talks about storytelling in his, in his content marketing yeah. book. So it, it sounds right. about consistent with his, his way of working. Yeah. That's right. Oh, so you asked about the theme. So yeah. I think the theme this year was called Connections. Mm -hmm. uh, just a, a great theme because we're getting back together again. Yeah. So it wasn't like there was an... Exp so what I observed was a common thread that I pulled out of some of the talks. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like this was the explicit theme, but this is something that I saw and I really appreciated, which is, so it was both on the keynote stage, some of the main keynotes, as well as individuals' sessions. And... Uh, so on my on my blog, I call it the return. What did I call it? <laughs> the return <laughs> on because we talk. I mean, we always talk about return on investment. Yeah. Um, I call it the return on humanity. And nice. what I mean by that is, we go to marketing conferences and we talk about leads, mm -hmm. conversion, marketing mm -hmm. automation, email, and we rightly so because that's yeah. why we are often getting together at conferences to learn about these things and how yeah. to do them better. But what I saw was a larger mission, which is marketing in the in the context of the larger, the wider world, and even the human condition. And can we make nice. the world a better place? So it's like beyond the campaign. So mm -hmm. the ROI and MQLs is all about the campaign that our organization is running. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there was plenty of uh, content to cover that. Yeah. But I saw themes around, um, I'll just give one example. Yeah. Uh, this project called One Million Masks in New York that started in New York City, which was one of the keynotes by Shafkwat Islam. He's the CEO of a marketing software vendor named Welcome. Mm -hmm. And he lives in New York City, and he helped found an initiative at the beginning of the pandemic, which was this crazy notion that emer emergency healthcare workers in New York City did not have masks at wow. the beginning of the pandemic, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Yeah, so yeah. Shafkwat said, we're in the richest country in the world and one mm -hmm. of the richest cities and we can't get PPE to our emergency mm -hmm. medical staff. Mm -hmm. So he started this non-for-profit to, uh, to, to acquire and deliver 1 million masks to New York City healthcare workers and beyond. So it's not just specific yeah. to New York that we're looking yeah. at. And I was just so um, inspired by his talk because mm -hmm. I think the theme of his talk was um, the concept of silver linings. So yep. you have something that's unfortunate, like the pandemic, and yeah. but what can you do to make so, to turn that into something positive? Yeah. And I think One Million Masks Project was something, an example, yeah. where it was the pandemic, but he helped, uh, and he had a team of volunteers as well mm -hmm. to deliver uh, masks to the healthcare workers, and uh, ultimately... Uh, the appreciation they show, they, they he mm -hmm. showed this one video that the healthcare workers in New York City put together to thank his organization and others, mm -hmm. and it was just so touching. So I was pulling at my emotional drawstrings. <laughs> but um, the 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 broader thing here is uh, we live in a world of a couple billion people, and yeah. what could could we use our marketing expertise to make? Yeah. To, to help people. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was a great example. Yeah, it's interesting because um, last week uh, I was talking with uh, Jeff Clark about um, 
corporate social responsibility programs and that's a similar sort of thing isn't it that that we yeah. as marketers have a huge ability to change the culture we've got budgets to do such such a thing um, but also aligning our business around the sorts of things that are happening in the world is good business yeah. anyway isn't it because that's yeah. what people, our consumers are all thinking about so what do you think he got from that experience as a marketer did he, did he share some of some of that I mean he's obviously done an amazing thing the healthcare workers love him but what do you think what do you think you got from it as a marketer well I'll tell you that it wasn't so um his company is also a sponsor of the conference mm -hmm. but he wasn't there to talk about his company and he nice. said up front I'm not here to talk about marketing mm -hmm. so it wasn't necessarily a marketing lesson of yeah. one million masks is not like he gave a specific angle on how mm -hmm. they marketed their mm -hmm. project. Yep. But what I got away from it was the inspiration that we as marketers, and frankly, we as all people, it's like even outside the yeah. marketing profession, yeah. have a opportunity to do so much more, to, to drive yeah. more impact in our lives. And yeah. uh, when we leave the this world, to know <laughs> that we did something to make the world better. Wow. Um, that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you said that also you saw that sort of broader thinking as a common theme yes. across the whole um, event. Yes. I mean, was it was it all? Well, I mean, unfortunately, I didn't get the opportunity to go, and I was in Amsterdam and stuff, so I couldn't even attend virtually. But what did you get the did you get the sense that everybody was talking about these broader issues in society, or just you saying that that the people were talking about broader things than just email tactics and that kind of stuff? Right. It was, I mean, there was a mix of the tactical stuff, so that's mm -hmm. always there. Yeah. But I was seeing a good chunk of other of um, other other examples. Let me let me just mention a few of the other examples. So yeah. there's a one of the keynote speakers is someone named David Dylan mm -hmm. David Dylan Thomas, yeah. and he spoke about the concept of cognitive bias, which is right. our mind, yeah. and sometimes unconsciously, will make a decision. Yeah. that incorporates bias. And in some cases, we not, might not even be conscious that we are being biased. Yeah. And he has a new book out and it's called, I think, Designing with Cognitive Bias in Mind, yeah. something along those, along those lines. Yeah. So if you're building an app or if you're building a website, yeah. there are ways where you can try to uh, avoid or minimize mm -hmm. the potential that your user will mm -hmm. make decisions based on bias. Mm -hmm. I know I think uh, I've Facebook. Seen him, yeah, I think I've seen him speak on video for, for okay. another event. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. really that's a really interesting topic for sure. Yeah, so that's that was an, one example. Like, So it, it just makes you think a little bit broader beyond yeah. what is the potential negative impact of your marketing. Like yeah. I'm sure our marketing, even the words we write, yeah. can show our own bias in some cases. So we, I think we need to be careful about, it's not just about, marketing delivering tomorrow's mqls it's yeah. are we also delivering mqls in a way that we are uh not showing bias in our work mm -hmm. yeah no that's interesting uh, yeah so another example was a session i attended by ruth carter mm -hmm. it was on let me get the i have the title here because i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to make notes pretty... so i can add them to the show notes <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's a pretty uh creative title it's called it was the talk was called Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, exclamation point. <laughs> yeah. Don't inadvertently exclude your trans and non-binary audience. Right. So I know, I mean, I have a lot to learn about um, about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about that topic. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, so what, and uh, Ruth gave a lot of examples on how non-binary people feel when 
when they are inadvertently excluded. Mm -hmm. So you're not trying, in some cases, or hopefully you're not trying, brands are not trying to exclude non-binary people, but they often do. And that makes a non-binary person feel like they're not, they're Mm -hmm. forgotten. Mm-hmm. And there's some, uh, something as simple as on form fields, which all marketers tend to mm-hmm. work on when we create mm-hmm. a form. Uh, there's things like gender and salutation mm-hmm. that could be cut, that could be more inclusive. Yeah. So it's yeah. not just gender, male, female. It's not just Mister, Misses. There yeah. are other labels yeah. that non-binary people uh, use. Yeah, yeah. Or even just the opportunity to add your own. I mean, is it important that? that- that, that's right. That we have that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really in- interesting point there, Dennis. But you also, so, so that was your, that was what you were getting across from that, that, that a lot of people were talking about and the whole event was talking a lot about things beyond the tactics and stuff. But what was your, you yes. actually presented a session and I'm going to ask you about <laughs> yours. I know you're probably feeling a bit modest about it, but what, um, h- how did your session go? What, what were you talking about? So I was talking, so my, I, I, I go back to the tactical side. So I was talking more. <laughs> Yeah. The, the brass tacks as yeah. opposed to bigger things. Yeah. Although I connected the two because, I, oh, so sorry. So the answer is I talked about email newsletters. Yeah. I had a co-presenter, Ashley Gattuso. Mm-hmm. We both manage our own email newsletters. So we kind of spoke from our experience managing yeah. email newsletters yeah. to try to give tips to brands on how to rethink email marketing. Yeah. Because I often think, especially in B2B, I think that email is used as this you're probably familiar with the term drip campaign or nurture yeah, campaign yeah, where it's yeah, like yeah. you acquire an email address yeah. and let's just send them an email every six days <laughs> and see if they open it and yeah. see if they'll attend our webinar. And if yeah. they don't, let's send them another one three days later. Yeah. And I've been on the receiving end because somehow I get mm-hmm. on comp- a brand's email lists and I'll mm-hmm. see these offers and it's just, ugh. yeah, it's like, it's, it's all, it's all focused on them and yeah. not about me, the recipient. Yeah. So Ashley and I try to, give some tips uh, of our own newsletters and I run a personal newsletter mm-hmm. and I connected the two, like my talk with this broader mission in that on the Friday I was returning home. Friday is my usual send day mm-hmm. every other Friday for the, yep. for my newsletter. Yeah, I uh, use the newsletter to write about these wonderful broader trends that I saw at content marketing world. So yeah. That's how I yeah, yeah, yeah. connected the two. Yeah, no, no, nicely done. And, um, the thing about newsletters and email right now is, is, I mean, I, I was just uh, just witnessed a, 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 a email that went around a the market a marketing team that I'm working with, and the Slack channel was blown up because they got their act together around sending newsletters to their customers. Right, they hadn't really been doing it, and then they were pushing um not pushing is the wrong word, but they they're introducing a new product. And they had so many downloads and so much response from their, their email newsletter. Oh. It was outperforming their other channels, right? Okay. And they were, they were amazed. But email is yeah. such an important channel, isn't it, that people overlook right now? Yes. I think that's a great – so here's, uh, here's my take. Yeah. <laughs> I think that – I mean, that's a great result that they used email, and it, was, it mm. resulted in mm. a lot of downloads. I think the pressure is now on because that's <laughs> – not necessarily sustainable. It's not yeah, like you sure. can continue sending an email with an mm-hmm. offer for your own stuff mm-hmm. in perpetuity and mm-hmm. have it perform like that. Mm-hmm. I sure. suspect like that is like the first time yeah. the the recipient received an offer, so they're like, "This yeah. looks good." Yeah. But now the pressure's on to like continue yeah, delivering yeah. value yeah. 
beyond just a downloadable asset. Uh, I'm with you, mate. And I think that okay. um, too many too many email newsletters and offers are exactly what you say. They're too much about the company right. and not enough about the consumer. But it was just that little fact. And you know that both of us, you know, pay attention to Joe Polizzi, for example, and, and what, what he talks about in terms of your newsletter, whether it's a personal or business one, is your own right. channel, isn't it? It's like you can't yes, depend exactly. on the social channels to build um, on rented land that the newsletter right. is. What's his high? He talks about a hierarchy, doesn't he? And the top one is yes, is, is email, isn't it? That he, I think the top is e uh, email. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it's um, so yeah, it's kind of funny. Like uh, Joe is never the type of person to say, "I told you so," told you so. <laughs> but in a sense, he did this week with the with the Facebook outage that we all know about. So I think I saw that hierarchy Joe posted saying, "Hey, yeah. hey you know, Facebook's down." Yeah. Just, just a reminder. Yeah, this is hierarchy. <laughs> he sent out a few posts. Actually, I actually I sent one out as well. So, when's everybody going to jump on this? That, that this is rented land. You know, what I mean, like, exactly. You know, so yeah, yeah. So the Facebook out outage was uh, was topical then, wasn't it? But to yes. to your point, so did you cover that in your session about the fact that you know if you're a con whether you're a content entrepreneur or whether you're a large organization, the email. You have to pay attention to email and that because that's your own channel and that's where you can directly engage with your customers. Yes. Well, actually, no, I didn't explicitly talk about mm -hmm. the concept of rented land versus yeah. um, That was covered elsewhere, land. right? Because Joe was speaking. <laughs> well, I kind of, <laughs> yes. And I also kind of assume that if you're attending the mm -hmm. talk that you either have an email list or mm -hmm. you are thinking of building one. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're already on board with the mm -hmm. concept of an email as your own land. Yeah. Yeah. So I assume that you were doing that, and it was more about how to bet, best use, right? Um, best serve yeah, yeah. your email list. Yeah. And so, what were your tips? Are you going to share us tips? <laughs> uh, yeah. There was. We did. Uh, we tried to make it list based, mm -hmm. Ashley and I. So we each shared three tips, so uh -huh. a total of six. We had thirty minutes to present, so it wasn't that. Right. It wasn't a, like a typical one hour. Yeah. Uh, talk. Um, my first tip is to. And this is this requires a little bit of a leap for like a B two B brand, mm -hmm. but it, it's the concept of my uh, with my experience running a personal newsletter. It's kind of like taking the personal newsletter approach to your B two B emails. Wow! Uh, the the leap is because you know, like personal is personal, and mm -hmm. how personal can a brand be? But one so one example might be. If you're a B2B brand, just mm -hmm. send, start a new, if you have a newsletter or mm -hmm. you're starting one, make it come from a person, like nice. a real person's yeah. name in your company. Mm -hmm. And I use the example of a software company called Zora. Yeah. And I got onto their email list and I started getting emails every week from their CEO. So the from line yep. is the CEO's name. Yeah. It was called like subscribed weekly because they're a, a SaaS subscription business. Yeah. And it was his perspective on the industry that week, right? And it was unique. Uh, like I didn't, I don't think that same message was on their blog. It's not like they're repurposing right. content, which I think a lot of brands do. Yeah. So it was like a unique, exclusive perspective from the CEO. Yeah. And I knew it's like if I replied, it's going to some probably uh, inbox <laughs> that marketing is managing. Yeah. But still, I felt like. Uh, I'm hearing from the CEO, yeah. and uh, it was, and in some cases, it was a deep five-paragraph-long mm -hmm. essay from mm -hmm. the CEO, and that's, and that's similar to what I do or what new yeah. personal newsletter authors do. Yeah, and I think that's just so such a nice touch for a B2B brand to connect yeah. with their audience. Yeah, no, it's a nice touch. And so, what was your second? How how many tips did you have? Three. 
<laughs> I had three tips. I'm trying to remember. Uh, well, maybe we'll just stick to the, the top one. <laughs> well, that's okay. Yeah, I think the, the second one was to be generous. Mm-hmm. So this was a lesson I learned in Content Corner, which is oh, man. just you are generous. just feature. Yeah. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's just to feature other people in the yeah. industry, and it's not. So this is. I mean, this is very much the the title of our talk was like taking a content marketing approach to newsletters, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and content marketing is all about serving your Absolutely. audience, not serving your brand. Absolutely. Your brand will come along for the ride over the long term. Absolutely. So yeah. it's be generous and and feature other people and or other brands. Mm-hmm. And the third tip was um, to promote, like I, I talked about your newsletter needs to be a thing, which yeah. sounds kind of uh, basic, but yeah. the concept here is that a lot of B2B brands don't think of a newsletter. They think of their list. So right. they might have 100,000 people on a list right? and they will then schedule times to send email to that list. Yeah. And I said, my tip was make your newsletter a thing, meaning yeah. call it a newsletter Yeah. and and you you will then be uh, incented to get new people to subscribe to your newsletter, mm-hmm. as opposed to just acquiring email addresses on a list. Right. And so right. if if it's a thing, yeah. then you could have your sales team like put in their email signature, subscribe to our newsletter rather yeah. than like download our white paper. Yeah. And if you're thinking of it in that way, then it becomes more of a content marketing asset. Love it. And my corollary was. You then, the marketer, should take unsubscribes personally, <laughs> meaning it's all too often because I've been on campaigns and I'm, I am I work on a few now where it's yeah. like you got a list of 100,000. Yeah. Your unsubscribe rate is, say, 0.5%. Yeah. I don't know what the math is, but that's just a it's couple a, hundred people unsubscribe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But because you're thinking of it as a percent, it's like yeah. less than 1%. You think you're yeah. disconnected. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah at yeah. least I didn't have a one percent. Yeah. But ultimately, a couple hundred people said, told you, yeah, this is not for me. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't take it personally, then and you're too removed, then you're yeah. like, you can continue to have bad behavior. Yeah. No, I love it. Whoops. So, and I'm sorry, I mentioned that I configured my mail software to send me an email for each unsubscribe to my personal newsletter. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll. <laughs> So I, I don't have a huge list, so it's not like yeah. I'm getting huge unsubscribes. But yeah, yeah. so I'll send out the newsletter on Friday, and you'll get a I'll get a, a trickle where it'll mm-hmm. be a single email that says unsubscribe from Content Corner. Mm-hmm. I open it and I see who unsubscribed, and I'm like, I know, it bothers me. I feel the same way. I mean, I've got um I got a newsletter for Rockstar CMO that I have neglected to be honest with you because all the focus has been on the podcast every week, uh, so I do need to um I do need to send out a, a newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> because I have I have subscribers, but I think you're right. I think you need to you need to nurture every every single subscriber is important, and like yes. every single listener to this podcast is important. You know, everybody that reads your blog post is important. You know, you yeah. can't you, you can't be looking at the metrics. I think it's a lovely point. Um, but thank you very much, the- Dennis. I really appreciate you oh, joining me so early in the morning, sure. straight after the event, and to get your perspective. Um, I will, of course, include a link to your your blog which is i don't think we can call your website new anymore can we you've had it you've had it going a few months now haven't you that's right it's a it's a teenager yes but it's it's a it's attention retention right attention retention yes uh where where you'll find your blog post and uh what the stuff you just talked about around seeing world and your newsletter i assume there's a link on your I'll include a list yes. in the show notes anyway, but that's Content Corner. And Dennis, where if people spin the dial on the interwebs, where else can they find you? 
They can find me on LinkedIn. My last name is spelled S-H-I-A-O. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter, I'm D Shao, D-S-H-I-A-O. All right. And like I say, I'll include all those links in the show notes. Thank you very much, mate. It's nice to speak to you again. I'll speak to you soon. Same here, Ian. Okay, take care. Thank you, Dennis. I'm spotting a trend. Having chatted about CSR last week with Jeff, marketers are definitely focusing more on bigger issues than flogging their products. I will, of course, include all his links in the show notes. Dennis is an excellent community connector and definitely worth following. Right, I can hear a kerfuffle from the direction of the Rockstar CMO virtual bar, so it must be time to join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. It is it is good to hear your voice um, coming off of content marketing world here and yes. uh, back in back in gear, as it were, back in the bar. Um, That's you know, I, I think there's I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people here in the bar. <laughs> um, it seems to be quite noisy, I and mean, I think that rock and roll band in the back needs to keep it down a bit. Um, <laughs> In any event, I give you a week off, and you're straight back with the shenanigans. That's right. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, it's 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 what they call the call and repeat, right? It's the you know, it's ah. the, you know, you make a call and then you repeat it back, and and anyway, ah, that's what we're hearing, are we? That's right. That's right. Well, here, you know, the funny thing is, in the bar tonight, I thought we would mm-hmm. do something very fun uh, to mm-hmm. sort of celebrate the cooler weather and and yep. and winter is coming and, and and all of that but bring back a bit of the tequila flavor that we may have been missing over the last few uh, episodes um, yes and so we're calling this and this is this is a fun one we're calling this the Mexican Russian oh um, yeah this is a this is a fun one um, uh, so if you're familiar with a black Russian the cocktail I am very uh, yes, yes yeah so it's of course a vodka based drink with Kahlua mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is basically taking, um, and it's a little different, um, than, than, than the classic black Russian, because the way we like to make this is, uh, now you need a Blanco tequila here, but Blanco tequila. So one that is much closer to a vodka or Mm -hmm. a gin than it is a, you know, than a scotch, right? So it's a Mm -hmm. very clear light tequila. So you need a Blanco tequila here. And then what you do is yes, a little Kahlua. And then I like to add, because I, I really want to bring out that coffee flavor, just take a little bit of coffee, right? Just a little bit of, you know, uh, brewed coffee and, and okay. pour it in as a, as a mixer there and stir that up over ice. And it is just absolutely spectacular. And by the way, we'll, we'll give you you know, we'll, we'll wake you up. So this is not the drink to have before bed, right? But this is, this is, uh, this is the, uh, this is a drink that you might have as you're day drinking here. It's a morning drink. Yeah. Yeah. A morning drink as it were. Yeah. you really, if you really want to see what's going on in the world. Yeah. All right. I'm going to attempt to make this, uh, using the ingredients of my cocktail, my um, desktop bar. I'm, I've opened my gin too soon because I need to put some ice in that glass, don't I? 
Did you put ice in yours? You did, didn't you? I did indeed, yes. My ice is a bit melted there, but there's some ice. Um, and some very, um, very light tequila, you said, didn't you? Yes, that's right. Yes. A very light tequila. The well, lightest tequila very, that you can find. Yeah, a, I have a, a very, very light. Yeah, the very, very light tequila here. It's called Hendrix Gin. Yes, yes, that would be <laughs> the lightest of tequilas. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got some Hendrix gin in there. What um what was the mixes that you used? Here? So Kahlua for a little sweetness, Kahlua. you know, Kahlua, which of right. course is a coffee flavored liqueur, right? Mm-hmm. And then if, and then of course um, I add a little mm-hmm. a little black coffee, and of course you can decaf black. that up if you want, but coffee. you know why would you? Right. Okay. Well, uh, I believe that the mixer that I have on my bar is, is, is not caffeinated so you know I can drink this in the evenings as well as the mornings um, and it's um, it's Indian tonic water ah I see yeah, yes very similar yes that is a light coffee I would say it's a, <laughs> the lightest of coffees <laughs> the lightest of coffees let me give this a taste mm, that's delicious Robert I see what you mean I think I'm going to be up all night <laughs> I, I think you may be I think you may be. <laughs> That's delicious. And what did we call that? Uh, we're calling that the Mexican Russian, basically. I love it. I love yeah. It. And when we are like staring out uh, wide eyed on this caffeine and obviously been jabbering on to each other about high culture and all sorts of things we talk about really fast. Uh, when, what, and our, where, where are we going to be drinking these? That's what I should be saying. Yeah, I, well, I've done this show before. I have done this show before. One week off, and I've lost it. <laughs> so where, where are we going to well, be? If you ever had it, I mean, that is the... <laughs> so well observed. Well observed. Indeed, uh, you know, I think we're going to stay here in Southern California for this one because nice. this is my. It, it is the beginning of my favorite time of year here mm. in, uh, in in Southern California, where the weather cools significantly. Um, and when you get beautiful days, they are just absolutely spectacular. And we're having that weather right now, which is just so wonderful, um, where we get, you know, some overnight rain, which clears out the sky and then it makes the beach just absolutely beautiful. So we'd head out to Malibu Uh and there's a little place on the shore in Malibu that is a little bar. Um, it's called the sunset grill and, uh, the sunset grill has a, just a fantastic bar that you know is right on the beach um and we would sit there and drink these mexican russians and um and and do a little day drinking on the beach love it I yeah. love it. I, yeah and soon we, we i mean we we have these trips i mean we've been doing this in lockdown and it was uh, our virtual bar and taking people to these wonderful places and soon i can almost see myself being in these places it sounds fantastic yeah i mean you know it's it's a it, it's a really it's a really, uh, it's a great place. It's, yeah. it's, you know, and it's, it's a place that I, you know, the funny thing is I, I live very close to that and don't mm-hmm. get out there nearly enough. Well, I think you should, Robert, for the benefit of all of us. So we can live vicariously. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> for the benefit of all of us. So yes. as I was stumbling over just a moment ago when I'd forgotten my lines, um, we are sitting there, we're, 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 we're looking out on the beach, we're day drinking, which is wonderful. Uh, anyway, um, what are we going to be chatting about today? Well, it's an interesting opportunity that I see these days. And 
and this is, it's for B2B marketing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's something that's on my mind of late, um, which is as content marketing has become more accepted, um, there's an interesting thing happen. And we've been calling it the myth of the empowered buyer. Right. And so there's this feeling, right? Right. We, we hear it from senior leadership in B2B companies and we, we hear about it all the time, you know, that the buyer's in control. There's an asymmetric relationship with buyers and the information that they have these days because they get more and higher quality information than's ever there before. So by the time your salespeople get a call, they know more about <laughs> your product than you do, right? Yes. And yeah. in many ways, it's sort of, denigrates the value of sales mm-hmm. um, in that because, you know, the sort of people don't want to talk to salespeople anymore and mm-hmm. it puts this sort of onerous pressure on content and digital experiences. And, mm-hmm. and you know, there are statistics that, that point to this, right? Which right. is, you know, the buyer's journey starts with an online search, you know, the buyers yeah. are prefer going through online and researching to interacting with salespeople, that there yeah. are, you know, buyers that say they can develop from peer conversations and digital content alone. And and yes, all of those are true, but I think the assumption that the buyer is empowered is false. Yeah. And there's right. actually research to back this up, right? There's, you know, when you look at um, Gartner and CEB, they did a, 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 a research on this that said basically buyers, B2B buyers right now are, as they put it, quote, open, uh, uh, completely uncertain and pressured. And, and we see this all the time, which is, you know, the, that you've got these buyers that are on these committees now, and it's not that they love doing this. It's not that they now enjoy this new process. They're being pressured Mm -hmm. into this process by their bosses, right? To say, go get to be a subject matter expert on this thing, you know, nothing about and go research and find out about it. And by the way, take, you know, Paul and Sam and Barbara and, you know, and Helen with you. And they'll, they'll join you in this project and they're going out and learning about stuff that they never wanted to learn about and never and don't right. care about, but they have right. to become subject matter experts on it. And so, yes, they are doing this research, but here's the opportunity I see because, because there's this tension there, right? Which is mm-hmm. the interesting thing is, is that we spend so much time in B2B marketing, putting out content that answers every question provides more information, talks Mm. about our industry, gives the research, provides the data, provides the stats, and so little actually helping to solve the problem that they really have, that these Mm -hmm. buyers really have, which is making a choice, helping them make a choice on what they should be buying and why they should be buying it. And that's a kind of content we should be producing that B2B organizations should and could one want to produce yeah. and so very rarely do, right? In other words, yeah. how do I start to arm my salespeople, my sales mm-hmm. channels, my sales enablement, whatever that your favorite flavor of that is, mm-hmm. with information, education that really solves the real buyer's problem, which is helping them sort through and stop doing research and stop the madness and onslaught of information and actually make a decision. And so that to me is a really interesting proposition so that we can start addressing this 
this yeah. prescriptive nature of the way to help people make buying decisions rather than sort of just burying them in more facts and figures that they yeah. really don't care that much more about. Yeah, no, I love it. And I think it's really, I think it's a diff, it'd be a difficult thing to do because, I mean, it's a generous act, right, of, of being useful to the buyer and helping them make a selection because we're hardwired. So, yes, we'll help you make a selection, but it will be us that you're going to choose, right? Right. It's not, it's not what do you need to consider that might not mean, which might mean we're not a good fit. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's, and, and, you know, I mean, look, <laughs> There's a there's a different issue there, right? Convincing salespeople that this is not a good fit is not <laughs> it's not an easy thing. They're like, yeah. don't tell me how to run my life. I'll make yeah. it fit, right? And yeah. so, um, you know, having salespeople or the sales team turn down revenue is a tough thing. Yeah. But but what it is 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 helping them at least understand to be more prescriptive in and in, in in teaching. Not yeah. just the, you know, not just the, you know, and, and of course, it, you know, we get beyond the talk about us, talk about the features, the benefits of the yeah. product and, and all those kinds of things and get into the thought leadership of the how to's and how to make things work and, you know, and all those kinds of things that we help salespeople do. But there's another level, there's another gear that we, that we have that so few B2B companies actually, you know, turn on, which is how to help with the problem that the buyer really has, which is. They're not feeling empowered. They're feeling overwhelmed with the amount of information and research they've already performed and basically telling them they don't have to do anymore, right? That, yeah. you know, hey, by the way, the white paper that you got from our competitor, the, you know, information that you got from all the competition and from the analysts, you're good to yeah. go, right? Yeah. What you really need is how to make a decision in the smartest way. And let me give you a thought leadership piece on that. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, useful um, content marketing that just helps the buyer in general. I used to, years and years ago when I was in pre-sales, I used to, I used to um, because I started my career in government, so every now and again when I was at a vendor, they'd be, oh, we're looking for somebody to help with the government practice, and I, you know, my hand would be raised by somebody. And um, I worked with a sales guy who, one of the things he could do with when he was working uh, with buyers in UK government, he's, he knew how UK government worked and he knew how these people would get through their procurement processes better than they did, right? So he was able to educate them on how best to navigate through their own procurement process. And, uh, and that was hugely useful for those people, right? As well as for the vendor. But it's, it's the having that kind of information, isn't it? Is, is, yeah. Yeah, it's that kind. Yeah, of it's thing. exactly. It's something else. It's something that you think about. You know yeah. that it's hard. To, it's hard to convince people yeah. that that's the right approach because it's not bolstering yeah. the value of our particular yeah, product absolutely. or our particular solution. It's helping them make a decision. Full stop. Whether it goes in your favor or not. Yeah. Well, right? there's two, two two opposite views as well. It just popped into my head about that. One is is um, the classic. Um, line from good salespeople, which is the second their second favorite answer is no, because that means they can move on and invest in another another deal, right? If they can get an early no, that's actually better than a very very late maybe, and then a yes. no. 
um, because they can they can then move move on something else. And the other thing is, I think that we've been conditioned through early days solution selling that if somebody doesn't want to select our product, we need to re-engineer their vision. I think is the expression from the old school sales sales playbook to make sure that they do want to select our solution. Right. So it's, I think there's some hard wiring there in the sales guy, which is that no, you're wrong. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like right. whereas, yeah. whereas what you actually want to get them to is. Right. Okay. Yeah. I like what you're saying. Here you are. You've got enough to make a decision now. And that decision may not be for us, but just make one, please. Yes. That's exactly it. <laughs> right. Yes. It's, absolutely. it's, it's just understanding that they're not feeling yeah. terribly empowered. And yeah. actually the last thing that they probably want is for you to go, can I give you a research report that bolsters why buying this particular solution is the most awesome thing you can do? It's like, thank you. I already have 10 research studies that yeah. say the exact same thing. Yeah. But, but, and I, and, but I'll take it, but you know, I'll take it because having the 11th just helps me go to my boss and go, see, you know, yeah. we're doing our work. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got 11 from the other vendor and I've got 11 over here from another vendor. And by the way, we've got Gardner and Forrester and, 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 right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and I which one it. is right? Because this one's slightly different than the other. And yeah, this one's yeah. a little different than the other. And this one's a little yeah. different than them. And, you know, and you're going to give me another point of view on it, which is yeah. wonderful for you. Um, but it's not necessarily helping me make a decision. It's just basic. And in fact, in so many ways, it can confuse the decision, right? Yeah, yeah. I love it. I, and I, I really like there that, um, uh, that what you, that, um, you know, when the, the stats come out from Forrester and folks like that, and you know, they always say, um, do we really want to call those facts? Do we want to call those facts? Do we want to call those facts? Sorry, the things, I couldn't resist. The, <laughs> the quotes and they, and they always say like the buyer touches 46 different pieces of pieces of content now if you right. then think about that as like a, a mouse lost in a lost in a maze who's just touching everything and they're not really like getting any better informed i think it's a great great point of view i think that was really good thank you very much for it and uh where if people were to um want more of this kind of great insight where would they find it well, they'll find us on our little cave on the internet, which is contentadvisory.net. Splendid. And when they spin the dial on the interwebs and they're looking for you, Robert? Everywhere except Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Thank you very much, mate. And will I see you in the bar next week? Well, of course you will. And the band will still be playing, I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. So does your buyer really need all that content? Excellent point. So that's a wrap on episode 83 of the Rockstar CMO FN Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Jeff, Dennis and Robert for joining me and for sharing their insight. You can find all their links and the topics we discussed in the show notes and please check out their work and follow them. You can find the show notes on your favorite podcasting app or at rockstarcmo.fm where you can also find all our previous episodes. And thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. Let us know what you think. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. And of course, you can leave a rating or a review in your favorite podcatcher. Or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. 
Next week, as you heard, Jeff and Robert will be back. I'll be chatting with Ilaria Severi, Head of Marketing and Communications at Creative Clicks. And until then, have a great week. And I hope you again join us here next week at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.